0: And Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 78 of the weekly Yes And podcast. I'm your host, Travis Thomas, and we have a special podcast for you today. I am speaking with the best-selling published author of multiple books, a motivational speaker who has spoken to companies and professional sports teams and college teams all over the world and uh, just one of the top speakers and motivators in the world today, Mr. John Gordon. John is the author, the new author of The Power of Positive Leadership. Uh, He is uh, best known for his book, The Energy Bus, as well as books like The Carpenter, Soup, The No Complaining Rule, The Positive Dog, the hard hat, et cetera, et cetera. And so John spends most of his time speaking around the world to organizations and teams about the power of positivity and mindset and uh, who better for me to talk to today than Mr. John Gordon. So before we jump into that interview want to remind everyone that starting on July 10th is the next Get Unstuck in 10 Days, and that will be the 10-day program to help you get unstuck in one aspect of your life. 10 days, 10 videos, 10 activities, and at the end of those 10 days, you'll develop some habits, behaviors, and new ideas to help you get unstuck and thriving. And that course is in conjunction with my book, Three Words for Getting Unstuck, Live Yes And. And anyone who signs up for the program, it's only $20. You get a free copy, uh, an ebook version of my book <clears throat> that you can use during the program. So if you want to sign up for the, that event, go to my liveyesand.com website, click on events, and you can sign up there. Only $20. Grab a couple of friends and uh, uh, let's have some fun getting unstuck in July. So that's the only announcement I have right now. I'm uh, so grateful that John took this time for this interview. I uh, had so much fun talking with him. So let's go ahead and jump in with John Gordon on the weekly YAP. And please welcome to the weekly Yes And podcast, John Gordon. John, how are you doing today? Doing great, Travis. Thanks so much. Good, John. Thanks so much for taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule today, but I uh, just wanted to jump in and, and uh, introduce my audience to you, which I'm sure many of them already know you. Uh, So, John, you've got a new book, The Power of Positive Leadership, which I know is doing really well. Uh, I've read a number of your books, John, but I haven't had a chance to read that one yet. So what can you tell us about your new book?
1: I can tell you that if you read my other books, that this is a book where I've been out speaking all these years. A lot of people have read my other books that are more fables, but this is a book where I share what I've learned over the last 10 years in writing these other books. So some say... They see some familiar themes from the other books. There's also a lot of new stuff in there, but it's sort of like everything I've learned about leadership, positive leadership, building great teams, building great organizations, overcoming negativity, adversity, dealing with negativity on your team, leading with purpose. So it's really like a collection, and I wrote in such a way where it's a framework of of nine core principles characteristics of of what positive leaders do how they change the world how they make a difference and why they do so i also share the research behind positive leadership and so it's basically a collection of stories research and examples and then what we can do as positive leaders to bring that into our life our family and our teams
0: excellent and i know there, there really seems to be a shift culturally right now going on in regards to how we think about leadership Uh, from a a corporate level, from an athletic level, um, politically, uh, I'm not so sure. But uh, (laughs) uh, as you you go around the country and you've worked with so many sports teams and and, and corporations, what do you think is sort of the one idea, John, that, that you see the biggest shift taking place?
1: We are moving from a dictatorial style model of leadership where do it because I told you so, to where it's more of a collaborative model, where we are working together towards something. Love and accountability are the two most important pieces of this. Like, I love you. I care about you. I value you. I see you as a person. I'm here to help you grow. But I must also hold you accountable to being your best for our team and also for yourself. So the best leaders in the world are the ones who provide both love and accountability. I call it love tough instead of tough love. Yeah. Tough love only works, you know, if love comes first. I know you're a leadership expert. I know that you see this in people all the time and leaders all the time that you know, if I lead with too much accountability and too much toughness and not love, well, eventually that's going to cause burnout, it's going to drain the person and they're going to stop listening to you. Right. But if they if they know that you care about them, they know that you'll love them. They'll allow you to push them and challenge them to be their best.
0: Yeah, and it feels like you know that there's always been this misconception that if if you're talking about love or discussing love, whether it's the workplace or or, or in sports, that that is considered a weakness or a vulnerability or you know a soft skill. But uh, it, I, I'm sure from the work and, and and what you're saying is that it's it's actually the opposite.
1: Right. It's like. You know, it's not about saying, well, I love you, so I'm not going to push you or challenge you. No, it's because I love you, I'm going to bring out the best in you. I'm going to be demanding, but I'm not going to be demeaning. And love is not soft. Love is strength. And if a player or employee or anybody in organization knows that their manager or leader cares about them and really values them and loves them, we, all the research shows that performance goes up, engagement goes up. It's the key to getting the
0: most out of people. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And you now, you know, you are again, you are this world-renowned uh, speaker and author. And but I doubt that growing up, you you that you that this you saw this as the career path for you. What was what was kind of the, the key moment where you sort of decided like this is the kind of work that you wanted to do?
1: You yeah, growing up wanted to be in politics. I was a government economics major. I interned in Washington, D.C. for a congresswoman. I went to law school for a year and a half, but I dropped out because I'm like, this is not for me. It was really a, a big decision to just walk away from that, but I knew I was meant for something else. But around 31 years old, I was miserable and negative, unhappy with my life. I was working for .com, thought I was going to make my millions, but just really unhappy. The dot-com started to crash. My life started to fall apart. And I remember asking what I was born to do. Why am I here? I know I'm here for a reason. I prayed. I just said, God, I know I'm here for a reason. Never really prayed like that before. What's my purpose? And writing and speaking came to me. So it was a defining Mm. moment in my life that, okay, I'm going to somehow start doing this. I actually ran for city council when I was 26 years old. I lost the election. But it was a great thing that I lost because it led me to this work. You know, maybe I should have. State of politics, I could have hopefully been president now, and we would have, we'd have had a lot more positivity in our country. But, uh, but you know, I know that I'm on the path I'm supposed to be on.
0: Right. Well, I think there's still time, John. It's all—it's all that uh, that divine timing. It's that divine timing. So, um, I, I will keep uh, 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 my eye out for your nomination, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, what, what you mentioned, you know, you know, mentioned. obviously, you're at this point in your life where you were just unhappy. And I know, again, working in leadership, uh, we run into people all the time who just aren't really satisfied with where they are, but they don't really know the steps to take to how to address that. You, you mentioned prayer for you, but what did that process actually look like? I think a key part is to say, okay, what do I truly
1: want? What is my vision? What do I want to create? ideally like even if it took 10 years where do i see myself what does the future look like i wrote about this in training camp once you know what you want you're going to work really hard to get it so the best all have an idea of what they want and what they want to create so it starts there the carpenter i talked about designing your masterpiece so what does your masterpiece look like so i believe all success starts with having an understanding of what you want to create in your life and for your future, you may not know how you may not have all the details, but that begins the process.
0: And then, as far as action items, or, or maybe better yet, maybe habits, habits or routines that uh, that you have sort of uh, taken on or instilled in your life, maybe on a day to day basis, that have been most beneficial for you, are there anything that any things that come to mind?
1: The most important thing I've done over the past fifteen years is to take a walk of gratitude in the morning. I call it a thank you walk, and while You're walking, you just say what you're thankful for. And the research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So if you're feeling grateful, you're feeling blessed, you won't be stressed. It's a powerful way to give your brain and your body a a boost of positive energy because you're flooding your brain and body with positive emotions rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain you and kill you. These positive emotions uplift you. And so just by doing that each day, Mm -hmm. you create a fertile mind that is ready for success.
0: And what is something you've seen along the gratitude line, John, uh, whether it's the world of sports or in in a corporate environment where you have seen a team or a company instill something around the idea of gratitude that uh, has had a big impact?
1: Well, it's just teams I speak to, organizations I speak to when I talk about this. It's like, okay, let's be thankful for where we are, be thankful for what we have and the opportunity we have, even if we're facing a challenge, let's be grateful that we're here to work together to solve this problem, to build something great together, to be part of a great team, to be part of an organization that is interested in making a difference and changing and growing and improving things in the world. So the more we uh, do that as a team and appreciate where we are, the more we'll bring this positive energy to our work. Now it doesn't mean that we're content, we're just happy with the status quo. No, we're thankful, but we're also excited about what we're creating and what we're improving.
0: From your experience, John, when it comes to leaders helping create cultures and environments where people, uh, people feel safe and they feel loved, respected, trusted, uh, what, what are those skills or what are those techniques that you've seen great leaders uh, be able to do to develop those cultures?
1: Well, it's all about the connection, right? It's about the relationships that drive motivation, that drive real success. Dabo Sweeney with Clemson Football, the head coach, he told me, you know, we have a process, John, and a lot of teams are process-driven but we're relationship driven. It's the relationships that drive our process that ultimately make us successful. So for great leaders, it's like, okay, how can I improve relationships, develop relationships, develop connections that are real? Like you're not just doing it to check a box. You're not just doing it because the book said so. You're doing it because you know that as you do so, you develop them, you develop a great relationship with that person that you lead, you help them grow, and then you grow in the process of doing that. So I have found that like connection is really key. I have a lot of teams when I work with them, corporate teams, sports teams, I do an exercise where each person goes around the room and shares a defining moment in their lives. And the more you share this defining moment, you get to know each other a whole lot better. You know each person's story you know, even more. It's, um, it's really powerful as each person shares. The walls of pride and ego come crumbling down and vulnerability and authenticity paves the way for meaningful relationships and stronger connections.
0: And now you mentioned Dabo Sweeney. Now, I, I read your amazing uh, blog post uh, after the national championship about, is it, is it the safety chair, the safety seat? That Dabo- yeah, the safe seat,
1: the safe seat, Can right? You- where each person sits in a seat. He puts a chair in the middle of the team meeting room, calls it a safe seat, a safe place to share, a safe place to be vulnerable, and puts people in the chair after practice. A different player sits there after each practice and asks him questions about his life, hero, hardship, highlight. And as each person does that, the team gets to know each
0: other a whole lot better. It's powerful. So that shared vulnerability, that building that trust and that respect and and how that really sort of uh, unites a team.
1: It really does. I mean, a lot of Navy SEALs have great programs where they do a lot of team building exercises, going in the water even, but there's nothing more powerful than actually getting to know each other and being vulnerable. That is what really creates a heart connection and a strong bond that leads to a great team.
0: Now, when you think culturally of sort of uh, so generationally how uh, many of us have been raised when we think about leadership, uh, and then you just look at sort of the the cultural bias that we have when it comes to, um, we, we try to create cultures that are collaborative, but we've kind of been hardwired to think of most things as uh, competitive. So as you work with leaders, what is... What, what do you see the, the biggest shift or the biggest, the biggest quality that, that, uh, that modern-day leaders really need to, to nurture in order to be effective?
1: Well, a positive leader wants to win. Winning is great. There's nothing wrong with wanting to win, but it's knowing that positivity is what leads to winning. They're not separate from each other. Positivity leads to winning. Collaboration leads to winning. So what I often talk to teams about is competing for each other rather than against each other. Other. Yeah. Sadahara Oh, if I said his name right, he was the Japanese Babe Ruth. And he always saw the pitcher that was pitching against him as his partner in the growth, not his competition. So as he's facing this pitcher, he's improving, he's growing through the battle – of competition. And that's what leaders do. They say we're going to compete for each other. We're going to work to get better. I worked with Auburn Golf this year. These guys are, you know, competing for spots, the top right. spots to play, but they're also a team. So we did the safe seat exercise. It was amazing how this team bonded together. And then we talked about how they're going to challenge each other to all grow together and as they push each other Everyone gets better, everyone grows. Yes, some will start one week, others, other guys will play better, but it's all about helping each other be their best.
0: That's fantastic, and we we need so much, so much more of that. As I I go around, you know, I I talk about the improv principle, you know, your goal is to make each other look brilliant, right, on stage, and if we can bring that culture to teams and, and to companies... Now, now, John, I'm looking at the time, being super sensitive to the great time that you've given me. What is it, wow, with the books and the speaking and everything that you're doing now? You're reaching so many lives. Uh, who is that? Who is that audience that still is inspiring you on a day-to-day basis, just to keep, just to keep getting up and to keep pushing?
1: You know, it's everyone. It's knowing that. If a mom reads the power of positive leadership and she can improve her leadership in her home with her family, it makes all the difference. If it's a woman executive at work and it helps her with her team, that's great. If it's a pro athlete who learns to lead his team better, and I've heard from many of them, that's great. Coaches in the NFL or college or any kind of sport, I love making a difference. It's, you know, Company leaders inspire me. So what I love to do is I get to, you know, I'm honored, I'm grateful that I get to work with a lot of different teams and companies teams in sports and also schools is probably, I would say maybe my biggest passion is, Mm. you know, the fact that we have an energy bus for schools program, we started five model schools, five model schools. Now we're up to 50 and we're moving towards a hundred already in one year, in less than a year of creating this program for schools. What we're doing is helping principals be positive leaders helping teachers be engaged, positive teachers that make a difference in their students' lives. We're transforming the culture of a school, really improving it, growing it, and then helping students see themselves as positive leaders who can change the world. We've really created a a framework and a fabric that's going to have a huge impact for years to come, and that's how we're going to transform education, one school at a time, one leader at a time. Let's face it, you bring in a great coach – He or she transforms the team. You bring in a great principal, that principal will transform the school. So that's what we're all about.
0: Oh, that's great! And I've I've actually begun doing a lot more work with with schools this past year as well, John. And uh, actually excited to go in and, and when I am able to deliver, uh, and then being able to share with them um, the Energy Bus program. So I look forward to because it's such a great message. And uh, similarly, it, uh, going in and working with schools, working with students, or working with teachers is an area that uh, I've gotten really excited about. And well, you um, love it. oh, it, love it. yeah! I mean, because right, if, if you're like me. You found yourself in your 30s learning new concepts, learning new ideas, and going, man, why didn't I get this when I was a kid? And uh, and if we can start to sort of educate at that uh, at that age and just sharing these principles and ideas, the world would be a much better place. That's awesome. <laughs> well, John, thanks so much. I'm looking at the time. Um, I've got a dog that uh, never barks, has been barking in the background, just uh, in total <laughs> total agreement of everything that you're saying.
1: <laughs> I love it. I, you know, I heard the dog barking.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but but so grateful for your time, John. And uh, keep doing everything that you're doing. Um, and uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you.
1: Thanks, Travis. Keep up the great work.
0: You're doing as well. Thanks, John. Have a good day. You too. And there you have it. That is this week's weekly Yes and podcast. Uh, again, thank you so much to John Gordon. You can check out his website, johngordon.com. And again, so many of his books. You can find him at any bookstore, Amazon, etc. Uh, his new book, once again, is The Power of Positive Leadership. So really grateful to John. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you check out that 10 Days to Get Unstuck starting July 10th. And uh, have an awesome Live Yes And day, everyone. And special thank you to Mako for for barking along uh, to that one and the guy with the weed whacker outside the window. So have an awesome day, everyone. Take care.